in the heart of Africa. There is a place known as the land of a thousand hills, lush and green, a land of great vibrancy, full of life, red fertile soil that supports some of the most beautiful landscapes you'll ever see. And yet, like all places in the world where we find tremendous beauty, we also find brokenness, orphaned and vulnerable children with no memory of parents, unseen by society, without the assurance of a meal, the security of shelter, or the dignity of work. But in the gap we find between God's beauty and our brokenness, we believe that God can build a bridge, that grace received and grace shared can turn mourning into dancing, great grief into immeasurable joy, bondage and brokenness, into hope restored and hope renewed. And so today, you are invited on a journey to Rwanda, as together we remember the central affirmation God's story is a story of grace. Be aware that we for a long time have supported a program called Zoe Ministry, a giving hope program in Rwanda, Africa, and also Zimbabwe. We've adopted thousands of orphans over a three-year period where we help go take them from a time of complete poverty and uh, terrible deprivation uh, to independence, self-respect, uh, education, uh, and, and faith. We're excited about that works, and it's one of the best I've, I've ever seen. Been there a number of times. I've seen the program. Had a team return recently from there, and they took some of the videos you just saw, and the video you're getting ready to see. And I have to set this one up. It's different than some, some of the ones we've shown you. It's about two girls whose lives were completely broken uh, because of their situation, the poverty, the, the being an orf orphans, uh, taken advantage of by others around them. You could look at the story and feel very sad, uh, and break your heart in some ways, but I don't want that to happen for you at all. I want you to see these stories that you're going to get a, really get a picture of, and the young girl's there. I want you to see hope. I want you to see grace. I want you to see God at work through us, through them, and each one of our lives and the lives of these girls, the connection we have together, and how God works in writing his story. I want you to see that. I want you, to, when it's done, I want you to say, I feel good about what God is doing in the lives of children there and our lives as well. And so now see another story of grace. Look at the girls. Some of them got babies when, at their young age. It is because in payment of a room, some men take advantage of them, pretending they are offering them a place to stay. She is sexually abused because she doesn't have a home. Her name is Seraphine. She was 14 when her mother died. Her father was drunk and abusive. She's the oldest in her family and got six siblings. When you are poor and depending on handout, you talk to anybody, to anyone. One man, he asked her to sleep with her. And anytime she would go, she get 500 and she slept with him. And the time she knew that she was pregnant, he told her if she ever tried to say something, he would kill her. And she kept quiet. 
She told nobody until she has helped everybody. He doesn't help her. My name is Ibiho Chishantar. I am an orphan. I don't have father, I don't have mother. I have never known them. I work for the neighbors to get something to eat. She would pass two or three days without eating. A boy came and asked her for sex. She accepted because she had no other choice to get something to eat. After sleeping together, she got pregnant. After getting pregnant, the boy refused that it is the one, so she stayed with the baby. She heard that Zoe Ministry is going to come here to work in this sector. They were taught what we call dreams, where they were writing what they like, what they don't like, the principles of reaching their goals. After writing and understanding very well the dreams, Zoe Ministry gave them a hoe and seeds, vegetable seeds of carrots, onions, beetroots, in order to grow food to eat. They received a small grant to start a project that will help them reach their goals as they started writing them in the dreams that Zoe Miss was teaching them before. Now with her business nowadays, she's able to feed the baby also. She has got money to buy shoes, to buy clothes, things that she could not do before. Here in Rwanda, we have a proverb that says, one tree cannot make a forest. Before she was isolated, but because she's together with other children, she no longer feels isolated. Now, she thanks Zoe Ministry and Agape Mamas because of their instrumental support. Girls, when they have their own home, they are secure because men will not take advantage of them and they are not forced to do things they don't want. It's a late evening in Rwanda right, right now and there are thousands of orphans who now are no longer orphans who are, are going to their own home in their own house uh, that they have built with our help, our assistance financially. Uh, and they're there building lives. And, and these girls are doing that. You saw two of them there. So I want you to see hope and grace in that, that great uh, event. Uh, I also want you to be aware there's really two kinds of brokenness that grace addresses. Two major kinds of brokenness anyway. You heard about the one that King David, as we write about in Psalm 51. And I'll say more about that in a little bit. Uh, but his brokenness is what he had done. He had done things that broke his own life damage other people as well in the process. That's one kind of brokenness. The other is what's done to us. In this case, these girls are innocent. This life was done to them. They were damaged by the world they live in, uh, by men who were around them taken advantage of. And you see in both situations how grace works in rebuilding life. Now, one of the images there that I thought was very beautiful that you may not have noticed was they hold up little pieces of paper. And those papers are asked to draw their story story of grace is what this message is about. In that story, uh, they first, on the first half of the page, tell their old story, and they put little squares there of, of living under a bush, uh, under a bridge, maybe being abused, maybe a loved one killed, maybe the parents dying of malaria, which kills millions of Africans every year, uh, maybe by AIDS, kills hundreds and hundreds of thousands there in Africa, maybe other ways they died. Uh, there, are still, there are still some can, in, impacted by the genocide of Rwanda uh, you know, many, many years ago. 
Uh, there's still, is, there's still resi- resi- residue of that in their lives. So we, we have that as well. And they write that story. And they write their new story, which is their hope. And Zoe has come into our lives. And uh, Zoe and the Giving Hope program. And about a new story of a home. And, and they're what they want for the future, which is a, bit, a small business. You know, a family, security, Jesus. These are things that they want. We love seeing that recurring images of their own future they're writing if you think about a story of grace. Now, I'm going to show you a banner that uh, when I was in Rwanda, they gave us. This banner was given to us at one of the last things, that, last sight that we saw when I was there. There was about probably 100 kids waiting for us. These groups were often in the hundreds, 150, 150. And we weren't going to go see them because we were running out of time, getting too late. And Epiphany, who led us there, she's a, the, really the dreamer, the visionary of the, Zoe, of the Zoe program. And she and I talked, and I said, we've got to go. I've been there before. I know what's happening. They're waiting for us. And they were. They travel from all around, five, ten miles away, and they come to their community headquarters where they're going to be, uh, where they have the kind of leadership of, that they've elected from the other orphans. And so they have to walk five, ten miles to get there. And they're waiting for all day for us to show us what God had done in their life. They show us their story. And they want to tell it. It was really bad, they'll tell us. And they'll talk about how difficult it was and what life was like. But then grace came from a Zoe ministry in First Methodist Mansfield. And they talk about that grace that came to us first when God touched our hearts and our lives, blessed us, helped us, forgave us, changed us. Because that's what God does for all of us as we give our hearts to him. And they bring that to them and they see that. Uh, and, and they want to tell us and they want to show us their home that they built. Uh, and they want to show us, they want to give us this as a gift, as a, as a symbol of, their, of grace at work in us and in them. It's a partnership of grace. We don't get anything more than we received ourselves. That's how it works. That's how grace works. And they want to give us this. And they gave us a chicken and gave us some carvings and showed us what they had done, told their stories, showed their fields, showed their produce. And they were so proud to show their family what God had done in their lives and how we had helped them. They were so proud and full of respect uh, and dignity and things that they had never thought they would ever have in their life. Grace consumes brokenness. And leaves dignity and self-respect and love and grace and life and hope in its place for all of us. For David, at Psalm 51, it records his story as he wrote this psalm. For David's life, and I'll begin with the first verse here, looking at his life, which is a, the biblical part of the message. Uh, psalm 51, 1 and 2, 10 through 13, and Acts 13, 22. You heard the first part read. Now these verse, this verse, one verse. I found that David... The son of Jesse is a man after my own heart. And David was a whopping big sinner. <laughs> because you have to describe, have to describe what he had done. God gave him everything, anointed him, made him king of Israel. He had everything he could possibly ever had hoped for in life, and it wasn't enough. And so he looks down on a house near his palace. And there on the roof is a young woman named Bathsheba taking a bath, and he, he desires her. And he gets her because he's the king. And then he decides he wants her from now on, but she's married to someone else named Uriah. And Uriah was a leader in his army who at that time was out in battle defending the borders of Israel. And he thought, I've got a plan. 
And he told his general, because he's the king, he told his general what to do. I want you to, I want you to take this king, I want to take your right into battle. And when you go, I want you to, he'll go right to the front because he always does. He's such a great soldier and warrior for my kingdom. Go all, all, he'll, he'll go right to the front. And when he gets there, I want you to withdraw all the rest of the soldiers. Leave him out there by himself. Exactly what happens when Uriah is killed there in that battle. And he takes Bathsheba as his wife. doesn't go well because he becomes broken by what he had done. That goes on for a period of weeks, months, maybe even years. And somewhere in those years, somewhere in that time, Psalm 51 comes to light, which King David wrote as he talks about these kind of words you heard read, have mercy upon me, God, according to your love. Talking about grace, aren't we? Wipe away my wrongdoings. I'm a broken man. Give me your compassion. I don't deserve it, but give it to me. Wash me. Make me clean. Purify me. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Put a faithful spirit in me. Give me the joy of my salvation once again that I might serve you still. These are the things that he says in the psalm. A broken man who experiences grace and is made whole once again. Just as you saw two young girls with a whole life who thought it never could po possibly happen. Grace is God working in our world. Grace, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ among us, His Word, it's all the same thing because that's who God is and how God chooses to work. What a blessing it is. There are several things I want to teach us today from these words in the psalm Story of grace, what you saw on the screen already, even the banner that symbolizes grace at work in us. Because as I've said before, uh, God, God has worked in all our lives through grace. And whether we've given directly to Zoe or to this church or just present today, we're part of this partnership as God is among us in this graceful way. And the thought I want to share with you to begin uh, in the teaching side of this is the grace of God is cross-funded. The grace of God is cross-funded. Please think about what that means to you as I share what it means to me. I got a chance to meet uh, this week with the, uh, with the Wesley Mission Center Long Range Planning Committee, and that's right across uh, the parking lot here. Uh, and they serve the community in, in dynamic ways. Hundreds of thousands of dollars go through that and out of that each year in remarkable, life-changing ways. A little bit like Giving Hope Program, only here in our own community. We love what goes on there. Uh, and one of the things that we're able to do each year is provide uh, uh, assistance to that. When we, do, when we do that is what we call the First Methodist Foundation. I helped begin that many years ago in our church. People gave money to that. Uh, and now it's about a million six hundred thousand dollars in that particular fund. And some of the interest goes to the mission center. A lot of it does. Last year we were able to, this year, actually last year we were able to give forty thousand dollars from this to fund the mission there. Now, are you with me? The mission there was funded by uh, the, the First Methodist Foundation to make it effective and more effective. Otherwise, it can't work. It's just a gift. Grace is cross-funded. The cross of Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. The cross of Christ is the funding for grace. That's where it comes from. Uh, that's where the ability of grace to work in your life and mine, in Rwanda, anywhere which chooses to receive it, that's where the funding happens. God made it happen. God paid the price 
God wrote the check. God offered the gift. And so we receive it because God has chosen to give it, and we say, thank you, God, for that. The grace of Christ is cross-funded and denied to no one. So that cross-funded grace found its way to a little girl named Chantal there in Rwanda in a very unusual format, you know, through this church and our prayers and our lives and our experiences and our, we found our way to church and we heard a sermon one time and we decided to make that commitment and we gave some money and we come to worship and we share an offering here and, we, and we're part of this church family. But somehow that grace that was cross-funded found its way to little girls in Rwanda who were destroyed and damaged through no fault of their own and now have a new hope and a new life as they write there on the piece of paper, here's my future now compared to what it was. Thank you, God, for grace. And King David able to come into his life and say, God, have mercy upon me. There that mercy comes to him, and a new life is born from brokenness that he would never have had without the grace of an amazing God, which is a story of our faith and our act of responding to that in our life. Now, how do we respond? What do we do? How do we live? As I've often said, I experienced really the grace of God in a remarkable way when I was a young man in the military. Uh, Christ came into my life, changed a broken kid to someone who was made whole. I still think about that often in my own life. Now, what do I do because of that? How do I respond to that? Where do I go next? For me, I wasn't sure what to do. So what I did was I, was I heard that the pastor and the church had bought a bus there in Key West, Florida uh, that was all rusty. And I found myself for weeks going there after I got off duty, and there I would help clean that bus up and put, it was all rusted out, so there in southern Florida, and so I would, would, would use a fiberglass to kind of cover over the rust spots, and we eventually painted that bus. When it got painted, I drove the bus to pick kids up to bring them to, to Sunday school, and when I got them to Sunday school, I found myself teaching the class with those kids uh, that came on the bus. You know, I also met my wife on that bus. My wife was uh, one of the helpers on the bus for us, was a, was a sponsor with me to help keep the kids under control. But, but that's how you respond. What do you do? It's a cross-funded grace after all, isn't it? Isn't that where it comes from? Isn't that where our, our worship comes from? Our, our offerings come from? Our, our giving to Zoe comes from? Our own forgiving others comes from? Our own accepting others? Isn't that where it comes from? The cross, isn't that where it all begins for you and me? Sure it does. It's the story of the church, the story of Jesus Christ, a cross-funded grace. Second teaching point, is the cross of Christ greater than brokenness? We have to decide if we believe that or not. It's greater than the brokenness of these girls that we showed who, who were broken by no fault of their own, greater than David's brokenness or anyone's brokenness. It's greater than anything we have done or ever thought of doing or ever will do. And the, the things we might write down that here's what it was, it doesn't matter. The cross, of, the cross of Christ is greater than that. And that's God's answer to you and me. God's answer in our lives we accept to receive and thank God for. The cross of Jesus Christ is greater than any brokenness in the world, than anything that's ever happened or ever will happen to you are to me, or we have ever done. Still brokenness, because brokenness is brokenness is brokenness. And God's grace covers that. If somebody sinned against me, or my sin against someone else, God's grace is bigger than that. So we have that as a truth. There's a cross of Christ greater than brokenness. Hope can be found. Recovery is always possible. 
God is always working in the world, and the story of grace is always being written, and it's based upon the one thing that God brought to our world to make that possible for you and me, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. Third teaching point, God will redeem your soul, but you must redeem your life. It's a recurring biblical theme. Please hear it. God redeems our soul for the asking. We simply say, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me my sin. Lots of ways you can verbalize that. That's one way. But God simply gives us that freely. It's offered to us. But with Zoe kids, we've received the grace we give. Here's the opportunity for you. Now what are you going to do? And they go out there and they, and they work in that field. Or, or they make that, that clothing. Or they help build the house they're going to live in, which they do. They build their own homes. We provide the money to provide some of the stuff that they need to make the house. But they build the house of their own. They do all the work themselves. We don't do any work for them at all. We, we teach them how to do it. We help provide the materials financially. We provide the social workers and the, and the spiritual people as a resource. We, they, but they have to redeem their own life. They have to begin moving into their own future of what that new is going to look like for them. So different from the past as they respond to learn and grow and accept and change and mature and grow up. It's like we have to do in our life. Uh, God redeems the soul, but we have to redeem our own future with the teaching that God gives us, the Holy Spirit God fills us with, the church God surrounds us with, and the life God helps us see as we grab hold of that and begin redeeming that future. And this is a flaw I see often or a mistake people often make, that they will find themselves in a situation that, that where they're brokenness and they want God to fix it all for them and restore all they have. And that's the next point that speaks to that. It's not possible to rebuild what is lost, but grace can build God's new. And that's, again, is I think something that people sometimes think that somehow I've said Jesus fixed everything, and all that I've done, God is going to make it like it never happened. All that's been done to me, it's going to be like it never happened. And that's not true. Those things are still there. What God does is he redeems the soul, but we have to begin building the new God has for us, which is going to be better, full of hope and full of grace and full of love and, and full of what God wants to have in our lives. It's, that's going to happen, but we have to begin taking the steps, making the decisions, changing our life, living by the teachings of God, following through on what he leads us and directs us. Otherwise, life cannot be redeemed itself. Soul may be saved, but our life is still a mess. Our life is still not made whole or good or loving or graceful. There's no substance there. We have to do that as Jesus teaches us to do that. That's a common mistake I believe that Christians especially make. The Bible does not affirm that way of living. It affirms what I just said. It's not possible to build, rebuild what is lost, but grace can build God's new, and people get upset about it or they get angry about it. God, you're, you're failing me. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. You're, you're supposed to make this like it never happened, and it still hasn't recovered. It still doesn't have what I wanted or what I had. It's still gone. And God's telling them all this new, but they don't want the new. They want the old. You can't have the old. The old's broken. I'm going to give you the new. It's going to be better if you let me lead you into the new. And that's part of our journey. David did not get his old life back. He got a new life very different, but it was a good life as he served God in new ways from what he'd learned, how God had worked in him and what God had given him as a new start and new opportunities, as these girls are doing and will continue to do there with the Zoe program in their life and one day helping and serving others as they continue to grow and mature in their own faith. 
Well, what I want to share now is from Psalm 51. You've, I've read it, part of it. You've heard it uh, also read a little, a little while ago as well by Debbie. But I want to go through that, not verse by verse, but the points that come from these verses that are really steps to that new and the grace God gives, the rebuilding of life, how we can accelerate brokenness being made whole uh, in our own life of what we have done or what, what have been done to us and celebrate what's, how that's working so well in the Rwanda Giving Hope program. First thing is, the mercy of God is his greatest gift because it costs the greatest price. Don't underestimate the, the power of grace and the cost that God paid for us to have salvation, restoration, newness. And so mercy of God is God's greatest gift. Now, that's hard for a culture that's about stuff, that's about things, that's, that has a definition of what we want life to look like. God's mercy is the greatest gift there is. Uh, in fact, uh, Paul said God's grace is sufficient as he accepted that in his own life. Mercy of God is the best thing God can give us. That's all you ever get. That's all I ever get. That's good because it's the best gift there is. Secondly, being washed of that which has damaged us is a beautiful thing. Just washed, just made new, a vibrancy restored, hope being able to, to, to grab hold of, a future with a light where the light was not there happens for those who turn to Christ in the way we're talking about today. When life begins new, hope is born. Hope and new are really very similar ideas. I have hope, that means new is possible. New can happen. A new life can happen. New service, new love, new faith, new, new walking with God, new vibrancy of life. That's possible for you and me. And when life born, begins new, hope is born from that. That's where hope is. We have hope for tomorrow as the, as, the, as the morning begins. It's always about the relationship. It's always about the relationship. I've said it before, but we, uh, we, our culture sometimes think no life is about the things that I need or the things that I want or the things that I desire or getting back the things that I've lost or obtaining the things that I hope to get. Uh, our culture defines life like that. Uh, but God is most interested in the relationship he has with us. So number one thing that God cares about, where God wants us to restore us into that relationship. He cares about our needs and concerns. The Bible is full of that idea and that truth. But what God's number one concerned about is how he walks with us and we know him and love him and he loves us. That's the big deal for you and me. And what God's always about is always about that relationship. So seek that first. Everything else falls into place. The fifth one here. We don't have to live into the new future on our own. Uh, there's a new possibility that comes, but we have to live into that. And God walks with us in that way. When I share with folks in really absolute brokenness, which is what pastors do often, I'll give them three uh, things of advice. Just three simple things to grab hold of. Uh, don't forget these three things. They're simple. Uh, often in times of brokenness, we don't want 10 things or 20 things or five books. Just give me something that I can leave with. So these are the three things. I'll tell them three things. One, don't do anything stupid. That's the first thing. Because when we're broken, we do dumb things. Did I say stupid in church? When I was a kid, that was a bad. My mom and dad didn't like me to say the word stupid. Uh, so don't do anything dumb. Uh, because, when we, uh, because when we have brokenness, we'll, we'll do dumb things. Secondly, Pour into your relationships. 
Pour into that. Pour into, if you have kids, uh, if you have a spouse, if you have parents or friends or church family, pour into, don't neglect relationships because you're broken. That's when you need them the most. Yet people want to isolate themselves. They want to go hide somewhere in a cocoon and hope when they come out, things are going to be better. They're not going to be better if we don't work on our relationships. And thirdly, keep the faith. Don't give up faith in God. Stay the course with faith. In Bible and prayer, and go to church. For God's sake, go to church. Don't stop doing that. That's your hope. Go, I don't care if the sermon's bad or slow or boring. Go anyway. Just those three things. And that gives God a chance to walk with you as the new is built. And how many men and women have had to come back and say, well, a year or two or three years, you know, you were right. Life has now been made whole again, and I have a new, and they point out, and they said, those, those things really helped me, so I shared them with you. And the last one, the good life of cross-funded grace is the ultimate outcome. That's where we're going. That means that we live in grace, giving it and receiving it, offering it in lots of ways, and thankful to God we got it again one more morning, one more worship service, one more day to give us new opportunities to begin again anew in our life, which for Christians is a daily occurrence and how exciting that is. The good life of cross-funded grace is the ultimate outcome. Today we began by showing you uh, some images of two young girls. And I prepared you for that because uh, the stories there are really multiplied in that part of Rwanda, really most of Africa, by the millions. It is just amazing. Kids having kids in, 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 in Rwanda, Zimbabwe, where we also serve, and throughout many countries in Africa. But also in the middle of all that, there's grace at work all over the place because we see it. Last week you saw a wedding, those that were here last week in Rwanda. You see the grace at work in the smiles of two young mothers, the child, children they take care of, uh, the clean clothes they're wearing, the future they see, and those girls, you have to be there to really get a sense of, are so happy you can't believe it because they have something that they never thought they'd have, and that's grace at work. And, th and they are able to see those small things as such an amazing treasure. It turns their life around to a new future that they celebrate when we come to show us, look at what I have done and who I am, and I thank you for your grace. I don't use those words, but I thank you for your grace that's brought it to pass. And that same grace is at work in your life and my life when we receive it and when we give it. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, today we thank you for grace. Yes, some of us have been broken by the past. Things that have been done to us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything for it to happen. It just happened. We've been hurt by those things, God, and even broken by them. Other of us have done things ourselves that have broken our own lives, made bad decisions, bad choices, done bad things. Who knows why? We find ourselves with broken pieces, some with broken lives. So we come, Lord, and we simply give that to you, and we accept your grace that consumes it. It washes it and makes new possible. Help us see that new, holy God. Help us see what it might be, what it could look like to walk with you in the, in the, in the, the, the special way that grace makes possible.
And surely, God, make a Zoe continue to be effective, that our partnership there continues to touch the lives of children in, in Rwanda and Zimbabwe. May thousands come to know you, find a new life, store from brokenness, and go on to restore other people in that same place that they were found in. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.